Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. We have some big news. The Alts Fund is going live. For the first time on the Alts Podcast, our guests are in-house. Here to talk about the fund is our very own Wyatt Cavalier, the co-founder and chief investment officer at Alts, joined by Tully Ross, the investment analyst. We'll talk what's in the fund, how to invest in it, the research they've done to uncover new investable asset classes, and what the fund means for the company. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Wyatt and Tully. So Wyatt and Tully, thank you again for, for being here. It's kind of a big day for alts. We're making a big announcement about our fund. And uh, so glad you guys can join us to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, Horatio. First, you know, I'm going to ask a broad question. This has been in the works for quite some time. But basically, what is the alts fund? How did you kind of uh, go about creating it? And uh, how do you guys envision it going as, as we're unveiling it here? Well, it's going to go really well, obviously. <laughs> We envisioned it as a like a broad spectrum, actively managed sort of like alts index almost, right? So we're investing across a couple dozen categories of assets from sneakers to wine to whiskey to alternative real estate to sports cards. And so we've got a pretty well-defined initial target list, but it's going to be opportunistic throughout the life of the fund. So if sports cards goes poorly, we'll pull out, out of that and go into something else. You know, things like... NFTs that weren't even a thing two years ago, we may have more examples of that coming down the line. So if new things crop up, then we'll pop into that as well. So it's um it's meant to give the broadest and best sort of exposure to all the assets in these categories without being so broad that it dilutes the returns. So to be clear, like investors are going to be able to invest in a fund, not necessarily in the individual items that are in the fund. Yeah, that's right. So for every item we, we buy and sell into, you know, we'll give updates to the investors either on a, a monthly or quarterly basis, depending on kind of like the cadence of things a little bit. But it will be a very broad base exposure to stuff. It won't be individual bits. One of the cool things we do want to do for the investors, though, is when we invest in a maybe a particularly iconic item, find a way to turn that into swag for our folks. So you know, if we got a 52 Mantle rookie card, we might get a facsimile rookie card made with, you know, an Altson logo on it or something like that and send those out to everybody. So the like, returns are the most important thing, obviously, but this is a cool space and we want to do cool things as well, wherever we can. Awesome. Tully, I want to bring you in here. Um, you're the investment analyst at Alts, and why I did mention that the fund is going to have, you know, all sorts of, it's going to be kind of broad, right? Different categories. What are some of the things that you saw in your research? Because as you were building up this fund and deciding kind of what to include in it, uh, I know you were busy finding you know, some of the higher returns on different categories. What did you find? Yeah, so I'm focused on three different categories for the fund. The first is whiskey and other spirits, which I guess can be maybe two categories. The second is vintage concert posters. And the third is vintage vinyl records. And I would say, I think 
you know, these are just the only three spaces that I'm personally focused on for the fun right now, but I think they're all really attractive in terms of opportunity. Within those spaces, I think vinyl records maybe has the highest risk return profile because, um, you know, there's a little bit less activity in the space. It's a little less mainstream. So I think that's where the opportunity is. Were you looking at something like that where it was kind of like, hey, we, we know that certain categories have had their run. And so you really kind of wanted to focus on maybe some categories that are prime for a breakout? Yep, that's definitely exactly it. And why it feel free to jump in and add on this one. But I think one of the interesting things about concert posters and vinyl records as collectibles is that if you look at those assets compared to say coins as collectibles, you know, lots of different coins go for millions of dollars. Whereas the highest price of these assets generally go from, you know, 20K to 100K. I don't see any reason why these assets can't be as highly regarded as something like collectible coins. Uh, So I think there's a lot of runway here for these asset classes to get a little bit more mainstream uh, and for demand and prices to go up. Yeah, and part of the reason we're we're focusing in this space is because, you know, a lot of the alpha we're going to be able to generate is by doing the in the weeds hard work around different asset classes where historically there's not been a lot of work done. So like sports cards, for example, you have the PWCC index for you know years now. You have card ladder, you have only all. There's loads of indices there that gives you very minute, granular information about the sales history of this stuff. But no one's done this for, e.g., you know, comics, for vinyl, for concert posters, for rare books. Like there's loads of spaces where we can do the hard work and generate super meaningful returns just because we know things that no one else has bothered to, to figure out yet. Yeah, I will say when I heard you guys were doing uh, research on on concert posters, I was like, that's that's cool. And I didn't even know you guys were doing that. So that's a great different category and, and uh, something that you're going to be able to bring to investors. Something that also is going to differentiate, I imagine, the alts fund from other funds. Why? Who will be able to invest in the fund? Uh, are we talking about accredited investors? Is there going to be a minimum? And will there also kind of be a, a secondary trading or is this meant to be as sort of a, a hold for a couple of years for people that do put in the money? Yeah, so all the basics. It's a Reg D fund, which means it's accredited investors only. And that's just a function of the SEC rules around how long it takes to get approval. So we're hoping to launch a Reg A fund later in the year, which will be for pretty much everyone. But this one is accredited folks only anywhere in the world. So it can be US, Europe, Asia, Africa, wherever you want to be. And while the fund has a 10-year lifespan, because a lot of the stuff we invest in does take time to play out, we're going to be offering that secondary market you mentioned once the one-year SEC lockup is over. So after a year, if you want to take money off the table, you can. If you want to double down, you can. And it'll be an exciting way to see what investors think, how the fund's doing. So based on what we've talked about, is it okay you know, for maybe some investors to assume that there's going to be whiskey, spirits, uh, concert posters, vinyl records in the fund? Yeah, I think as of right now, you know, the investment thesis will change over time. Um, but you know, we like whiskey. You know, they had forty-two percent returns last year. Vinyl and concert posters are both up, just about twofold in the last twelve to eighteen months, with a lot of room to grow. You know, there's a lot of stuff we're going to be looking at, and those are definitely going to be some components of it. Yeah, Tully, I know that you've had a background in, in you know research investment. Let's say that somebody that's not very familiar with alts, right? It's like it's another fund. It's another opportunity for somebody to to invest. You know, I don't know if, I don't know if you can comment on like why would they look into an alternative investment fund as opposed to maybe the traditional investment opportunities that are out there? Yeah. So I would say there's pros and cons on both sides. The pros of traditional assets are simply ease of access 
and ease of information. It's really easy to buy a stock and it's really easy to get to know it. And for alternative assets, it's the opposite. It's a little bit harder to get access, a little bit harder to know the assets. I would say that that same point can be made in the opposite way for returns. You know, because traditional assets are so easy to get access to and so easy to have information about, there's not a lot of opportunity in the space. Very efficient. It's very hard to get an edge. Um, I've shared this quote with a lot of people, but, you know, 80 to 90% of active managers, for at least for equities, underperform on a 5, 10, and 15-year basis. So it's very hard to get an edge in the asset class. But with alternative assets, I think what's so exciting about the space is that unlike equities, you know, you can get an edge there. It's uncharted territory. People aren't doing the work. The information isn't available. And the fact that we're doing the hard work, we're going through the data, we're sorting it out where no one else is, um, means that we'll have the potential to get those returns that aren't available anymore for traditional stuff. Could you go a little deeper into that? How far did you go into the records for... Um, I know what you focused on recently were the three categories we talked about. How far back did you go? What did you have to go through to find auction records on, say, concert posters or vinyl? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because we're doing something very exciting for the vinyl records. We're creating the first ever index in the space. And, you know, I think the fact that that doesn't exist for the space and we're doing it is just a good example of how, you know, we're doing that work that no one else is. Another part about why I think it's exciting and why it's attractive is that the data is really messy. It requires a lot of cleaning. It requires a lot of digging. Uh, it requires us to be informative about the space, find out, you know, what is the first or original pressing of a vinyl record? How can you tell that, you know, by looking at a disc? So it takes a lot of knowledge and a lot of hard work. And that's probably a sign that no one else is really interested in doing it and that we're going to find the opportunities where other people aren't. Absolutely. Can the same thing be said about uh, concert posters? Are you guys working on something like that? Yes, uh, we're also working on the first ever index for concert posters as well. It is a little bit easier, but again, you know, we're, it takes some time and we're putting it all together and it doesn't currently exist. So it's also exciting and, you know, gives us the opportunity to have the market data that probably no one else has right now. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's totally cool. Looking forward to see, seeing that when it comes out. So why, you know, we're talking about the fund and this is an obvious pivot for alts, right? Our members have known for a while that you guys are busy creating a fund. What does this mean for alts? I mean, you know, when I started off, you know, it, it was strictly a content site with this idea of a fund that you and Stefan were, were coming up with. How will the company change, if at all? And will readers, you know, can they still expect those newsletters to come in? Yeah, I think, you know, much like the sort of strategy, the fund will evolve over time. So will the content strategy, but our early members have been with us from the beginning and we're always going to be loyal to them. So what we're hoping to be able to do is, you know, marry up the best of both worlds where the content side benefits the fund and the fund insights that we generate there will benefit the content side. And there's some legal rules around it as well about what you can and can't say. So we'll have to stick with that and, you know, learn all about that. But um, the content has always been where we've been able to, to freestyle and talk about what's going on and learn ourselves. And you know, share all that with everyone. And we want to continue doing that. You know, this podcast is a great example of that. Not only is it interesting for our, our members, but it gives us, you know, great access to lots of folks we, may, we maybe wouldn't have access to otherwise. So we're always going to carry that on. And, you know, hopefully we see a lot of crossover that folks who invest in the fund and our other offerings in the future will be, you know, active members and that, you know, our members of the community will also invest alongside us. Yeah, if we do a good job with one, we should see crossover in the other. It's funny you mentioned the members. 
because there's been a lot of chatter on the Discord. I know you've been you've been in it, and they have questions. You know, they have questions. Uh, and one of the things you brought up was sort of that legal question, because I, I guess good time is I need to bring it up. Is there a conflict of interest? Because we have made a reputation for not being afraid of making recommendations, right? Is there a conflict of interest, and how do we guide through that? You know, how do we work through that when we're also having a fund for potentially our members to invest in? Yeah, so it's um it's a bit funny on both sides because if you want to downplay an asset you thought was going to do well, right, in order to be able to maybe invest at a lower price, then you get in trouble because you're you know, you're not being truthful. And on the other hand, if you try to talk up an asset class that you really like that you've invested in, then you're you're pumping the asset, right? So I think it's you know the history of transparency and honesty is going to see us through pretty well, I hope, that, you know, while we won't be able to say, hey, at this auction this week, we're going to be bidding on this asset, we can say, we love this asset class. We think collectible toys are going to do really well this year. So we're probably going to be buying some. And conversely, you know, if we think video games are going to do poorly next year, then we'll say that. And, you know, the fund activities will, will reflect that as well. So it's it's a bit of a fine line, and no matter what you do, you're going to annoy somebody, I think. But I think as long as you're being open and honest, like that's the best North Star. Very well said. And yes, you're right. You're always going to annoy somebody, and even your biggest supporters, you know, uh, kind of want to test you out a little bit. You know, are you are you are you doing this the right way? Like you said, the key is transparency and honesty. I'd love to jump in actually just to add one point in that as someone who's subscribed at you know in my previous career to a lot of research subscriptions not all of them have performance that they can stand by so i think in a sense it can almost be a pro that we're having the fund alongside of the research because it just shows that you know you can stand by our research because we're actually putting money to work in it you know that maybe somebody doesn't fully believe in their own research if they're not actually putting money into it because they probably don't actually think it's a good idea it probably doesn't actually work in real life so I think, in a sense, it can actually reaffirm and support that side of the business. Yeah, it's a really good point. Are, are there any legal structures? Because I've talked to other you know, CEOs and founders. Is, is there a legal structure where you have to put in a certain amount of your equity into you know, the, the items that you, you have in a fund, or, or is that not the case? No, sometimes um, investors want to see you put sort of skin in the game, and that's a totally legitimate thing to want to see. Like For us, our skin is, you know, this is my life's work, so... You know, my, my entire future is based on this fund, this um, this company. So that's my skin. But you know, there's no no legal rules that we need to invest a certain amount, not for this one. So in creating the fund, you know, there's there's been other, obviously other companies we've seen. We can name them. You know, we, we cover them. Rally, Otis, Collectible. Each has their own kind of different way about doing their thing. You know, IPOing, communicating with investors. And we've also just seen a recent buyout by public.com of Otis. We have that benefit of kind of like the second mover advantage, right? Why? Whereas these companies came out first, Rally came out first, followed by these other companies. What are some things that you've picked up on? What are some things that you've learned in creating this fund? Yeah, it's a, it's a big, broad question. And um, you got to be a bit careful comparing like apples to suitcases in, in some cases here. But, um, you know, we've seen there's a, a huge passion for the asset class. You know, you got to give loads of props to Rally for being the first one in this space. Looking at platforms like Fundrise with, I think, 5 billion assets under management or thereabouts, you know, there are first, second, third movers and we're by no means near the front, but we've learned a lot, like you said. And I think what it all comes back to is what you said around transparency, that you've got to be totally transparent in this space. 
it's not the 1960s where you can get away with, you know, just saying whatever you want to do and people won't notice. Everyone knows everything. You know, you can look at the SEC filings and, and figure it out if you want to. So not only is it the smart thing to do, it's the right thing to do. And we've, we've seen that with, you know, in our discords and our emails and all of our communications with our members that, you know, people forgive screw-ups. They don't forgive opaqueness and, and lying. And you just have to do it. You just have to. It should be table stakes. Kind of the questions for both of you, and, and we've already touched on it. How will this fund really essentially differentiate itself? Like, because at the end of the day, right, uh, any fund needs to appeal to an investor. They need to, you know, give out the cash in order for your fund to be a success just to begin with, how will it be different? What are some of the things that you've picked up on in the alternative asset space? Like what have you learned as you're creating this fund to be a little bit different than the others out there? I think one of the things that we're doing, which is interesting and will give us an edge and sets apart is the fact that we are looking at the qualitative side of these assets, uh, but we're also really focusing on the quantitative side, like I think no other people are doing it. You know, the fact that we're creating the first ever indexes for concert posters and for vinyl records the fact that we're, you know, quantifying every aspect that we can of these assets, I think that's going to give us an edge just because we're making sure that, you know, we're being as objective as we can, as unbiased as we can. And I think that it's pretty easy to do a moderate amount of research and to understand the general market trends. It's harder to say, you know, what's the hard data behind this and how can I look at this from a purely unbiased standpoint? And we're doing both those things. So what I'm getting from that is that it's not so much hype, right? We're not necessarily going to go after the hype right now. Maybe NFTs, right? They're, they're definitely, they're getting all the headlines. It's very data-driven. And I mean, not saying that that's anything different, but you're, you're sticking by that. It's not necessarily going to be a hype fund. Yes, uh, definitely. I would say, you know, we're paying attention to what's popular and what's driving trends, what has momentum. But at the same time, we're using the data to stay as unbiased as we can. Yeah, and back to your, your last question, Horatio, I think that's a decent differentiator between us and maybe like, some fractional platforms out there where you know, a big part of their job is marketing and selling the sizzle rather than, than the stake. You know, you pick up when it's hot, maybe you're, maybe you're top ticking the asset, you know, buying it at the top and you know, the job there is to get the thing sold and move on to the next one kind of thing. And that's not our job. Our job is to get fantastic returns. If we do that, folks are going to be happy. And we can almost like bifurcate the experience for them though. On one hand, they get the return numbers and hopefully they're happy with that. But on the other hand, we can we can do the cool stuff for them that ticks the hype boxes a little bit. You know, we can get the swag out there. We can tell them about cool stuff we've got. Maybe we can do an app where they have like a gallery of the things that we've, we've purchased. Because, you know, a lot of it is visual or audio. You know, if we're buying music royalties, there's no reason we can't send folks like an NFT of the music. You know, for buying rare books, we can send people a copy of that we're buying crypto or NFT, that there's ways we can share that with our folks as well. So we can still give folks the the excitement and the adrenaline and like the dopamine of all the, the cool stuff while we ourselves focus on the numbers and what's actually going to sell. That's a great point. I want to turn a little bit to sort of financial talk. So obviously the, the fund is going to be made up of different items. The way that investors are going to get the return is the appreciation of these items. How does alts kind of make the money, right? I mean, I, I know we've talked about before, you know, investing into the items that, that we are also providing to the investors. But people always want to know, you know, are we going to get a sourcing fee? Are we going to be buying the items? Are we going to be buying the items at fair market value? Or are we going to be 
are you going to be offering this stuff at a markup? You know, because that's always a big part of the discussion, you know, whether or not the, the platforms are offering this stuff at fair market value. And I just wonder, you know, if you have any thoughts on that specifically related to our fund. Yeah, it's, you know, standard standard management fee plus performance fee. So we're offering a 1% management fee for our first fund. So anyone who invests in this fund gets a 1% management fee for this one and then all subsequent funds. So a bit of a, an incentive to be early on the boat here. And then 20% of you know our profits taken at the end of the, end of the 10 years. So it's pretty straightforward. The question you mentioned though, about how do we make money? It makes me think of another question about like how our assets make money. Because some of it is going to be down to appreciation. You know, we'll buy a Beatles album and hope it appreciates, right? But loads and loads of different asset classes we're looking at have both an appreciative quality as well as a cash flow quality. So if you're looking at crypto, for example, we can be buying Bitcoin thinking it's going to appreciate over 10 years, but also we can be staking it in doing the old farming and get 10, 20, 40% on that as well. So while we're at it, same thing with some of the alternative real estate we're looking at. It's a building, it's a house, maybe it's a vacation rental. So it's going to appreciate, but also you, know, you get rental income off of it. So a lot of the stuff we're doing, you know, a big, big focus for us will be how we can add value to it. You know, if it's um, if it's music royalties, for example, you, you know, how can we get that artist more airtime? What can we do to work with you know venue promoters or radio stations or Spotify or whatever it is to get them you know higher in the charts? A lot of this stuff does have opportunities for us to add a cash flow generative aspect to it. So you're talking about also having that, that, um, you know, dividends or whatever, you know, passive income with the rents. So you're, you're considering all these different asset types. Yeah, exactly. One of the questions I, I, I meant to ask you, uh, and I kind of skipped over it and you, you've, you've touched on it, but I want, I was wondering if you could elaborate on it, uh, Tully as well, like the work that goes into something like this, you know, because you're busy, you know, putting out newsletters, you're busy managing the company. What has it been like to basically start another company, right? You're basically starting another arm of the company. What's this journey been like? If you could talk, take a little bit of time about you know your, your personal kind of path. Yeah, I mean, first thing to say, we're we're super lucky to have Tolly. You know, she's done a fantastic job. You know, hit the ground running, and you know, Tolly made a you know three four weeks, and already we're up to speed on three asset classes we we weren't on before. So um, that's been a big help. Yeah, and you know, the the direction of content that we've been writing over the last maybe three four five months has geared much more toward actionable information. So whereas before it was more focused on fractional markets and things like that, I've been taking more of an approach my, you know, personally about this is what's happening in this space. Here's my thesis on it. Let's see over time if that is proven right or wrong. Here are the assets to watch. You know, if this sells for that, it means something else. If it sells for less than that, then whatever it means. And it's almost like a, uh, like a forcing mechanism for actively thinking about every asset class every week. So th- like I said before, they work well together. The content works with the, the fund and the fund works with the content. And it's the only way you can do it and, and not go a bit mad because it is very busy. So Ali, is there anything else? I know I know you've, you just recently joined the, the company a couple you know one, months ago. What else is it that you're kind of um, learning from it? Uh, is there anything that has surprised you just being in the space? Yeah, those are good questions. I, I'm obviously learning a ton just from covering asset classes that I've never learned before. I think especially from my position, you know, I was really a classic equity analyst before coming to Alts. So I think it's a really cool perspective to go from that to looking at these niche asset classes. Uh, I think one of the best things for me is just feeling so excited about the opportunity that's out there. 
you know, I definitely was interested in my work before understanding big businesses like Procter and Gamble and Exxon is really interesting and can make you very informative about the world, but you definitely don't get the feeling that there's a ton of opportunity. And honestly, it can be even a little disheartening. So it's really nice to go from disheartening about, you know, returns to feeling very excited uh, and feeling very motivated by it. So uh, I'm enjoying the switch <laughs> and naturally learning a lot by just being in these spaces. Yeah, sure. Why, one of the things I also want to talk about is, and this is kind of related to the, the assets on the Discord, every time there's a buyout now on, on Collectible or Rally, a buyout offer, they're like, is it you guys? Did you guys, off, did you, guys you know, buy out that Babe Ruth bat? Did you guys buy out that, uh, that other, you know, trading card? Can you give some more insight like into exactly how diverse the fund is? If you guys have been, if we've been responsible for some buyouts, I don't know if you could, you know, just tip, tip your hat a little bit there. Yeah, there's nothing active right now that we're responsible for. Um, we are looking at adding things a bit here and there. So we have a couple of buyouts in the works right now with one of the platforms that should be coming to vote in the next week or two. And hopefully those go well. You know, going back to being opportunistic, you know, there's like at, at the minute, the liquidity on some of these platforms isn't as high as they would want. And so the valuation of some of the assets is a lot lower than they should be. You know, the Babe Ruth bat's a great example where, you know, it's the buyout was like a quarter million and we had it valued at north of like three quarters of a million. And so it's a real shame that that's been sold. And I wish it had been us because it is a great asset. The benefit of having a really broad mandate within our legal infrastructure is that whenever we see stuff that comes up and there's an opportunity, we can, we can jump on it. And, and it has to be so broad because we don't know what the space will look like in you know, eight years you know, or three years even. So we've got to have it quite broad. And you know, the fractional marketplaces have done a great job in lifting the tide of the space where there's loads more exposure and a lot more interest than there was you know, even a year ago. And so you know, we will work with that and work with them and we're friendly with all the, all the platforms. And you know, hope to use our fund to you know, help them where we can. You know, maybe there's opportunities to to make markets there, for example, if they're short on liquidity or whatever it is. So we're looking forward to the big opportunity there. When exactly is the fund going to be available? When can credit investor reach out and be like, or, or go on the platform? Well, that's my question, actually. How can they invest? Like, is it going to be live on the Alt uh, website or do they have to contact you? How does someone go about investing in the fund? Yeah, it's not live yet. It will be at alts.co slash funds. So um, yeah, it should be in the next uh, few days. Don't know when we're, we're airing this, but as of about the 25th of, of March, it should be live on the site more or less. That's great. Uh, and, then, and then they they're basically just, it's kind of the, the platform will lead them how, how many shares they can buy, you know, how, how much they want to put in. Basically, it's all automated, correct? Yeah, the, so the minimum is 20K for a long-time members and a few other special situations will reduce that to maybe 10K. But yeah, it's 20K and there's no real maximum um, as of now. If someone wanted to put in like 50 million, we'd have a conversation. But we're hoping to have it closed by middle of an, or end of April and yeah, get to work. Hopefully you do get 50 million in there. Tali, can you give us any idea of, of what, what's next? Is Are there any categories that you're looking, that you guys are eyeing? Besides putting together those indices, you got something else in the works? Yeah, we're, well, at least from, from my standpoint, looking a little bit into comic books as well, uh, and also other spirits. And to kind of follow up a little bit on a point Wyatt made before about how, you know, we're open to everything and it's good to be broad. One of the nice things about covering a lot of different asset classes is that I have noticed a few trends in some spaces that feel like they're a little bit more late stage. So that way, when I go to the spaces that, you know, are a little bit newer stage, I feel like I can 
you know, apply those same trends. You know, I'm looking at, I think concert posters seem like they're a couple steps ahead of vintage vinyl records. So the nice thing about being broad is, you know, we can see the trends that are happening in vintage concert posters and say, hey, that might be going on in a few years in vinyl records. What are the plans for those indices? Are we planning on on, uh, making them publicly available or is it something that's going to be available for subscribers? I believe so, but why it may be able to give you a little bit of a better scoop from a marketing perspective. Yeah, I think so. So it's a good good example of how the fund and the content side of things will work together. So you know, we're building these indices to help out the fund, but we'll also make at least some form of them available to our subscribers. You know, we're always looking to improve what we offer our members, and this is a great way to you know, give them something no one's ever done with vinyl, with these posters, with, with comics. And there's, you know, there's two or three or four other asset classes we're looking at next, you know, ideally in places where there's just not a lot of information currently. So, you know, we want to keep adding value everywhere we go, if possible. Yeah. If people pay attention to what's being added to the fund, I could see them taking, getting some clues there. Hey, we think this is going to, this has room to run. And maybe you don't even have to be an investor, right? Maybe you kind of take that information and, and invest on your own. This is exciting. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a big, big moment. Uh, I, I can't wait for Friday and kind of see how that goes out. Uh, I know you guys have been hard at work. Uh, so, so thank you guys for, for taking the time to kind of talk about it, go through some of the things that you've learned and what, what you, how you see the fund working out. Is there anything else that, that, you know, that we didn't cover that maybe you think, you know, our, our subscribers or listeners might be interested in, in, in knowing about the fund? I don't think so. This is pretty thorough. I won't um, take up any more of their, their ear space. And with that, I guess I guess we're good. Um, Wyatt Tully, thank you so much for for being on the podcast today. This is our first time that we've had members, employees of Alts on 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 the on the pod. So I'm really excited about that, and uh, looking forward to maybe having you guys back on in the near future. Cool. Thanks, Horatio. Thank you. Take care, guys. The fund is a big deal. It's another step that Alts is taking as it moves from being just a content site to being a fund manager. And as Wyatt said, it's a natural complement from the analysis we provide to now putting that analysis to action. The exciting part is to hear Wyatt and Tully talking about creating the first indices for vinyl records and concert posters. Concert posters! If you have any questions about the fund, feel free to reach out and contact the team at Alts. If you enjoyed today's podcast, let others know about it. We find our guests so interesting and knowledgeable, and I know others will too or leave a review or hit the follow button. Until the next episode, take care.